Welcome to Resilience Unraveled, featuring scientists, practitioners, experts and everyday people with knowledge, tips, experience and great stories to share to help you get a grip of your life. We'll give you insights into a range of subjects, including reducing your stress, improving your emotional intelligence, health and well-being, and controlling your negative thoughts. By doing this, you'll be able to improve your resilience, confidence, control, and perform better every day to live a more productive and purposeful life. For a free resilience ebook, listen through to the end for details. Here's your host, Dr. Russell Thackeray. So I was asked quite recently to talk um, to a group around the subject of self-esteem and its links to resilience. And I thought it would make a useful sort of podcast for people, just some broad ideas around self-esteem, how self-esteem works and such like, and some tips about how to raise it. I know there are some people who have bulletproof self-esteem and often that links to bulletproof resilience. But um, I think the first thing we have to look at is this idea of self-awareness. and that's in my work, I've found broadly over the course of time, I and mean, this is a bit of a simplification perhaps, but people with very high self-awareness either have very high self-awareness or have very low self-awareness but think they're very self-aware. And I think one of the keys in self-awareness terms is to be really clear what it's about. And I think in terms of thinking about self-esteem and resilience in particular, self-esteem needs to be focused on your body, in particular your heart, heart rate and such like, because that's the first evidence perhaps of anxiety running or stress started running as cortisol, adrenaline affect your body and start to raise your heart rate. And the other thing, of course, is your inner voice, being aware of what you say to yourself. For some people, that's a negative narrative. And in a sense, they are um, being controlled by that inner voice. And for some other people, of course, they're in control of that inner voice because they've learned a degree of mental toughness and mental resilience. And I think that's all very useful. And in a sense, the starting point of self-awareness is to think about yourself, your strengths, your abilities, your capabilities, your way of looking at the world, the way you transact with the world, uh, what you're like in different situations or different contexts or with different people. And it's all very well having your own view of it, but you do need this idea of feedback. In fact, we call it the feedback triangle. There's your view of yourself and another person's view of you. Now, at work, of course, this can be a manager, and that, that's very straightforward. Uh, and sometimes there are formalised mechanisms for getting feedback. But in, um, in the wider life, you've got to have um, the sort of feedback that's useful for you, which means you have to have the self-esteem that allows you to hear what's being said, said without getting bent out of shape. Um, And so often the third way we use are simple things like um, self-diagnostic instruments. Uh, Again, if you're at work, you probably get um, regularly profiled, maybe Myers-Briggs or FIRO-B or a range of different sort of techniques or instruments that allow you to take a view of yourself, understand yourself in terms of a say of a colour or a code, for example, and then be able to think about yourself objectively. And it's this building of these three parts that allows you to have a more structured sense of yourself who you are, what you're like, and more importantly, how you transact with the external world. Because your transaction with that external world will be be reflect and build your self-esteem. And self-esteem is literally your sense of self-worth, the esteem in which you hold yourself. And for a lot of people who have low self-esteem, and there is no objective measure of this, of course, um, but these people who have lower self-esteem do have lower resilience, tend to have lower or fewer life chances, and tend to have lower confidence because they transact with the world in a less robust manner. The more perhaps likely to suffer from anxiety and some of those sorts of states. And um, 
And so the key to be able to manage yourself in the real world is to be able to start with yourself. And self-esteem is a great thing. Now, again, having self-esteem that's unwarranted because you just think you're great without any evidence can be sort of controlled and mitigated by looking for feedback, which we've talked about already. But also being able to understand that that feedback comes and it's something for you to work on. So even if it's good or you perceive it to be good, um, in a sense, you've still got things to learn. If you perceive it to be not so good in the sense that it's critical, then again, it's, it's a way to build on it. And uh, there's a very old-fashioned phrase that it used to be called, there's no such thing as failure, only feedback. And that's what we're constantly looking for, external inputs to be able to help us make sense of the world. So the first thing to think about in terms of your own self-esteem is to start focusing on your strengths. And a lot of people with lower self-esteem focus more on their weaknesses, things that um, they think about themselves are poor, so maybe their sense of appearance or, or whatever it might be. But the point about um, any sort of performance, where wherever you are in your marriage, wherever you are in your job, wherever you are in life as a whole, you've got there because of the strengths you have, not because of your weaknesses. Now, you could have got further, perhaps, because you, your weaknesses might have held you back. But the starting point is always to start with your strengths, because they're the things that have got you as to where you are. And, and a very simple exercise is just to start focusing on your strengths on a regular sort of basis. Uh, firstly, knowing what they are and making sure you've got feedback around that. And then taking each of those strengths and really focusing on them in order to be able to um, turn them within a say, three to six month period into things which are real strengths almost superpowers, because the things you're good at will make you even better in the future. Um, that doesn't mean that you don't have areas of development, but it just means that you're focusing on the strengths to start with. You may have um, areas of development which hold you back, but again, start with the strengths. And then starting with the strengths, you're already working with things you know are good, things which you know are things which are recognised as being good at, about you in the world. So it's a very good place to start. So write a list say five to seven things and then figure out a plan of how to turn those strengths into superpowers over the next three to six months. And it is important to look at things that you are not so good at, particularly tasks or that you don't like. And again, building another development plan to say, well, actually, how do I take things I'm not so good at? And if you think, and I've talked about strengths as being a, a in and around, but I'm talking about development areas as being around specific tasks, it allows people um, whose self-esteem is somewhat vulnerable to be more objective about the things that need to be developed. So they're not launching into self-criticism saying, I'm weak. What they're looking at is saying, here is a task at which I could be better. And that's a better way to be able to start thinking about the areas of self-improvement. So what you're looking at are things that you could be better at or things that you are not so, you don't like so much. And start writing a list of those things. Again, stop at five and then figure out how you get better at those over the next three to six months. And if you don't like something, it's, it, uh, or you're not so good at it, building a development plan to get better at something at least will make it go quicker. And uh, as we all know, that the ability to like or dislike something is a choice you make in your head, so that will help. The next thing to do is stop comparing yourself to others. Now, a lot of people say, well, I should compare myself to others because actually I can figure out you know, where they're better than me and then I can improve myself. And, and that is a valid development technique, but it's not best for comparing self-esteem. It's better to be able to know yourself, get good, strong feedback, and avoid comparing yourself to others. The trouble is that people with low self-esteem tend to pick an unrealistic ideal of someone to, to choose to compare themselves to. And therefore, you end up with this sort of insurmountable, insurmountable hill to climb because um, the link or the gap between yourself and the person you've chosen is too wide. So 
always focus on your on yourself and figure out um, who um, figure out who to get feedback from it in order to have a, a secure sense of yourself rather than being too overtly worried about other people. However, there are some people you do need to take account of, and they're the people who are. Um, the sort of drainers in your life, the people that suck energy out of you, the people that seem to have a, a problem with your self-esteem. And I mean, you have two or three choices of these people. Um, if they're close to you and you can't avoid them, then actually what you have to do is to figure out how you're going to deal with these people. There are lots of books um, and tips and tricks to help you deal with people but by building your uncertainness, by looking after yourself in the moment with these people, by not allowing these people to have power over you. There's a very good book called Toxic People that you can get in terms of the workplace, which is very useful. And of course, the thing to do is to avoid those people and surround yourself with, with people who are more on your side. Sort of you're more like having a supportive posse, really, than just a bunch of people that suck the living daylights out of you. It is, it is often how we're often drawn to people who lower our self-esteem if we, if we are low in confidence. And so sometimes noticing that if we have a lot of people who are negative around us, it's a sense that somehow we're getting something from the people who are taking away our self-esteem. Sometimes it's because we're so desperate to please others that um, we're giving all ourselves too much. But broadly, we should look, we should have people around us who we're interested in, who stimulate us and actually build our self-esteem and are honest and frank about themselves and us. One of the simple ways to build a self-esteem which I, I certainly find really quite useful sometimes if I'm you know, going out to do a presentation or I'm going to meet someone who perhaps has a um, high sense of status than me or maybe I just, you know, maybe just feeling a bit blah for a while. It's just to improve your own personal image. Uh, you know, it's amazing what a good haircut can do or, you know, put, putting on some new um, clothes or something. It, there's an immediate sort of sticking plaster effect of being able to put your game face on when you put your suit on for work or you know if you're going to wear it if you want to go out and, and you're meeting someone for the first time you know you've got a killer pair of jeans that you always wear i think um people say that it seems to be very narcissistic to link your self-esteem to appearance but actually it's the other way around actually appearance helps us it reinforces our self of self-worth when we look in the window mirror even <laughs> and see ourselves looking back and think wow that's me that's a very positive thing for the day also, people with strong self-esteem of strong self-esteem tend to have a strong sense of purpose. They seem to know where they're going in their life, and um, there are a lot of people in life who sort of drift along and sort of get where they get and leave a lot of potential on the table. And um, it would be sort of amazing to think that a that a successful company would have a strategy in life of just drifting along and hoping hoping for the best. And yet, people do that. And and I always recommend two things: one, which you have a career or life plan. And if you haven't updated that within the last um, 24 months, that you get it out, blow, blow the dust off and have a look at it again. Because actually we need to keep focused on that life plan, driving ourselves forward and knowing that we have a right to decide what we want in our life and be able to start driving towards it. And in self-esteem terms, um, a lot of people with low self-esteem, again, spend a lot of time worrying about the, the things they've got wrong, what wrong, the losses in a sense, the mistakes they've made. And really the ability to learn from your mistakes and bounce back is a vital part of resilience. So being honest to yourself about the fact that you were accountable for the things that went wrong, but that you're going to you know, not make the same mistake again, put right the mistake you made, and then come back and come out fighting, is a strong sense to build your sense of self-esteem, but also build your resilience. 
But it's not enough just to be accountable for the losses or the, the failures. You've got to be accountable for the wins and for the upsides of things. And you often find that we spend too little time really learning from the things we got right, learning from the things that went well. We often find ourselves just a little bit too obsessed about our weaknesses and the things that went wrong and the mistakes we made and what that meant and blah, 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 rather than saying, I've got that right and this is what I'm going to do rolling forward. And it's a, you know, it's a really big, important thing in development that we link together this accountability for our strengths and on our wins uh, and link that to our sense of self-esteem. So we're doing what we're good at and we're improving what we're good at at all times. And it also helps us to be more optimistic than pessimistic, to have a sort of robust, um, hopeful view of the world, backed up by some sort of plan. And that's where the sort of um, career career planning, life planning comes in. Uh, there's a difference between just being positive and being optimistic, because one is a dream and one is a goal. And um, the thing about optimism and having a sense of purpose is it stimulates your sense of confirmation bias, this idea that you know, what you tend to believe, your brain finds a way of reinforcing your view. And now that could be a negative view of yourself or it could be a positive or optimistic view of yourself. Things that, you know, things are going to get better, that this is what you want to achieve in your life. And then confirmation bias has a way of pointing those things out to you. So being optimistic about the future, having a sense of knowing what the future is going to you to have, having goals and then building plans is a key part of building self-esteem. Remember, you have the right to live the life you want. Now, if you don't want to have a decent life or you don't want to have a strong sense of purpose, then, you know, you have to recognise that can affect your sense of self-esteem. It doesn't have to, but it can. Now, people who have low sense of, sense of have lower self-esteem often avoid helping, asking for help, because there's a sort of perception that, well, I don't think I'm very good, therefore I have to ask for help. Everybody else thinks I'm not very good. Well, remember, people who are giving you feedback already have a view of you anyway. And so asking for help should be seen as a sign of strength. And it's a good thing to think about, especially maybe at work or in your personal relationships, what three things could be better at the moment, where if I ask for help, I could immediately get some ideas. And I think that's a useful thing, because what we're doing with all these ideas is to turn things into plans, specific things we can do something about. So go to someone who you, who's, whose opinion you trust or go to someone at work and say, these are three things I'm doing, either well or not so well or whatever it might be, or I need some help. Can you give me some help or feedback? And it's not, there's no doubt that doing things for others helps our own sense of self-esteem. I'll learn how to say that one minute. Um, you know, it often is being perceived that creating things of social good actually helps people feel good about themselves. It gives a sense of self-satisfaction to be able to make a contribution wider than our own sort of sense of ourselves. And knowing that you're making imp an impact wider than the sense of your own um, circle can be very, very useful for people. Um, so it might be worth just going and asking a few people, you know, what, what it is you can do to help them? Or actually, even more surprisingly, why don't you just pay it forward and just help some people once or twice and just see what that's like. Doing it genuinely because you want to help another person is more important than doing it because it's making you feel good about yourself because that's a little bit narcissistic. But getting into this idea of just thinking forward and saying, do you know what, I'm going to do something for, my, for somebody else as a conscious act on a regular basis is no bad thing. Now, a lot of people in um, this world of self-esteem development are very focused on this idea of being able to control the controllables. It's key in terms of your stress and self-esteem that you're not constantly catastrophizing the future and working it and thinking about things that you can't do much about. 
And it's this idea that we, in order to build an, uh, the sort of uh, Teflon coat against anxiety, that what we're able to do is to figure out what we can and can't control and replace the things we can't control with the things we can. So constantly find yourself when, you know, catch yourself when you're worrying or anxious or you're thinking about something or you're, you know, you're, you're plotting something or planning something or, you know, you sense that your self-esteem is wobbling a little bit. Just figure out, you know, what is it? What is it that seems to be eating away at me? Is that something I can do something about now? Is it something I can do something about later? Or is it not? Is it something I can do nothing about? And if it's if it's the latter, you have to replace the action with something that you can do something about. And I think learning this is, this sounds a little bit trite, perhaps, but learning forgiveness and gratitude is a key thing. I mean, first, firstly of yourself, but also of people around you as well. There's no doubt that looking at the wider world, looking at people around you, learning to let go of stuff that might be polluting your head is a really, really useful thing. And last but not least, of course, exercise is great for self-esteem. Not necessarily because you want to look better, but it just releases those wonderful endorphins and gets you moving and such like. And one of the biggest things of all around self-esteem is, you know, we talked about the body early and exercise will help the body, help the heart, you know, be able to understand better how to get to sleep and that helps you helps your overall well-being but this idea of the inner voice is important this idea of the inner voice that catastrophizes you know constantly nags you about the things that could be you know might happen if things go wrong or you're constantly mind reading other people and thinking well, do they think this do they think that and again these are things that fall into this idea of an area that you can't do anything about they fall into this area of stuff that you can't control and, you know, worrying about what other people think of you is pointless. Worrying about or being more focused or mindful about what you're going to do with that thing, which, you know, are in your sphere, is a much more powerful, powerful thing and links your own sense of self-esteem. If you worry that you've done something wrong and you're, you're concerned that there may be an impact, what you can do is figure out what that impact might be and plan forward where... If that thing happens, this is what you can do about it. And that's giving you a sense of self of power over the future, in a sense, and allows you to be able to build your own confidence. And um, one of the things about the inner voice is this idea that you always have to be right, that you have to be perfect all the time, or that you have to stop. You know, you have to worry so much about what other people think. And I think it's key that you really start getting an, an idea that what matters first in life is yourself. And um, parents will say, no, my kids come first. But if you're not healthy, if you're not capable, if you don't have the mental resources and the personal resilience and the financial wherewithal, you can't look after anyone. And so the key is in life, I mean, using the old aircraft analogy of, you know, if anything happens, the first thing is to put your own air, air mask on first and you've got to start looking at that first. So why do you worry so much about what other people think? I mean, you may not. But if you have lower self-esteem, we probably do. And the fact is that no one, you know, most of the time we have a very um, me-centric view of the world. And so when we're thinking about other people and when imaginizing, imagining, catastrophizing what other people are thinking, very rarely are they thinking that. They're usually thinking the same things about themselves. And so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of perception around, a lot of angst and a lot of um, self-harm done around projecting and worrying and conjecturing and actually most of the time people just aren't doing those things and it all comes down to confidence in a sense and some confidence comes from this idea of self-esteem but confidence also comes from the idea of having competence in a certain area and having the ability to to throw yourself into things which may be challenging so conquering your fears if you have more self-esteem you're more likely to conquer your fears if you have more 
fears conquered, you have more skill. If you have more skill, you raise your self-esteem and build your confidence. And the place to start if you're worried about either confidence or self-esteem perhaps is just faking it until you make it, which is appearing that you have confidence, appearing that you have self-esteem. And there's a really great, great TED talk ages ago called Power Poses, which actually took some, some of the less poppy versions of body language and linked those things together as a way of being able to say, well, look, if you, if you project something, it is peculiar that if you decide you are something, you decide to act something, it's quite peculiar how confirmation bias works to be able to hook your brain into believing that you can be that person. So um, what I suggest is that there is a ton of books in these areas and um, there are there are many, many books in, in, the, in the field of self-esteem. But um, let the, hopefully this is something that will get you going, get you thinking. There's some specific actions here. And, um, you know, what, why, why, be, why, why beat yourself up to the extent where, you know, you are doing yourself damage in life? You deserve, you deserve a better life. So why don't you start thinking about your own self-esteem and start getting a grip of yourself? I wish you good mental health. We hope you found today's podcast useful. If you did, why not subscribe and listen to our other podcasts? We would love it if you could leave us a review. To access our resilience coaching, contact us at info at qedod.com. And finally, if you'd like to download our free resilience ebook, go to qedod.com slash free ebook. Thanks for listening.